Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his heat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll hear from Rays President of Baseball Operations, Matt Silverman, on what's been learned during this challenging year. We'll hear from several Rays minor league managers and visit with four September call-ups, including one Chase Whitley. We continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our feature guest this week is President of Baseball Operations, Matt Silverman. Matt, put into context this year. I know it's been challenging, to say the least. Uh, challenging, disappointing. Uh, we've used a lot of these words over the last couple months because our season was over only a couple months into it. And uh, we were able to grieve. We were able to turn the page and start focusing on heading into 17, having a strong club into 17, and, and, and answering the questions that we need to the rest of this year to make sure we're in a position to be competitive again. Personally, professionally, how difficult has it been? It gnaws. The season has, it gnaws at me, it gnaws at everyone in baseball operations, especially because we have the talent. And you can see it now in the second half, in this last month, what this team could have been. Uh, so it makes it all the harder. But we have to put that aside. We have to focus on the next game, the next series, and really heading into the offseason, make sure that we know what we have and know where we need to supplement this team to get back to that competitive stance we know where we can be. So I guess the big question is, why do you think it happened the way it did? And more importantly, what did you learn from all of it? Uh, we learned a lot of lessons. And, and uh, I, you know, what really strikes, really stands out at me is our defense wasn't what it needed to be in the first half. Um, we had some injuries up the middle, especially with Kiermaier and Forsyth. Our catching position wasn't as strong as it needed to be. Brad Miller, great offensive force, uh, wasn't as good of a, a shortstop as, as we needed, especially considering everyth- everything else that was going on. So you look at all those things. Um, it has spillover effects into our pitching staff, into the way it exposes our bullpen, and it all kind of snowballed. When we're able to get those things under control, Matt Duffy comes aboard. We get healthy Logan Forsyth, a healthy Kevin Kiermeyer. We have uh, a little bit of a, of a different look behind the plate. All of a sudden, things start to click. Our pitchers are going deeper. We're making plays uh, in the outfield, in the infield. We're converting balls into outs, and we're starting to see the kind of club that we thought we had at the beginning of the year. On that same vein, the question I get from fans a lot was, did the Rays get away from what made them successful? Um, acquiring Brad Miller, acquiring Hank Conger added power. And look, Dickerson and has, has certainly provided a lot of power in the corner in the DH spot. But did the Rays get away from their DNA of defense and pitching that maybe they got back to after the All-Star break? Uh, we certainly had a, a formula for winning in the past. Uh, and we've tried to enhance our run scoring uh, we tried to hit more home runs, and we have, although we haven't scored as many runs as you'd think with those home runs. Uh, but uh, looking at this club in the second half, we've really been reminded of the importance of, of defense, of pitching, of converting outs, of the confidence that our starting pitchers have in our, in our defense, of shortening up games, handing over to a solid bullpen, and winning those close games. Um, and rather than losing a game 10-7, to 7, I'd rather win a game 3-2, to 2, and we're seeing a lot more 3-2 to 2 ball games right now. Um, 
that gives us a lot of hope, a lot of confidence going into next year uh, now that we've shored up some of those issues from the first half of the year. With Bobby Wilson returning, with Luke Maley recalled, with the acquisition of Matt Duffy, was that kind of, in essence, the return to the DNA? Of course, Kevin came back off the DL, too. Yeah, look, we're, we're always going to be moving parts around. We're always going to be trying new things, uh, and that's what we need to do. And so we take calculated risks, and we learn from them. Uh, when we brought in Matt Duffy for in the Matt Moore trade, the idea was to solidify our infield defense, allow Brad Miller to learn a new position and, and just one that he seems very comfortable with and, and have a, a, an infield defense and offense that can be the core of this club to go along with our starting pitching. And so we saw Matt Duffy. He made all the plays. It was a nice transition from, from third base, and uh, he made a really good first impression. Cut short by the uh, the Achilles, but we're going to get him back healthy for next year. Were you surprised at how well he handled that transition? Again, you only got to know him here for a few weeks before he uh, had the surgery that'll get him ready for next year. Yeah, you know what you saw on the field and what the fans see on the field was was good, solid defense as a shortstop. There's a lot more that goes into it, especially since he'd been playing third base for so long. That conversion back to shortstop is not an easy one. Different timing, different throws, different angles for your throws. Uh, it takes a lot more athleticism and a lot more instinct, and he was able to, to really slide back into that role very, very effectively, do it at the major league level with the new clubhouse. I mean, he really rose to the occasion and gives us a lot of confidence heading into next year. Speaking of transitions, the transition of Alex Cobb back to the mound and doing as well as he did at the major league level, how surprised were you considering – a, how his rehab went, and B, how things went for Matt Moore when he tried to come back from Tommy John last year. Alex's rehab was, uh, wasn't as smooth as some others. Uh, he had a couple setbacks, you know, mental hurdles that he had to get past, uh, and he did, and he finally came back. You never know what, what you're going to have, but when he takes the mound, you feel good. Uh, his stuff wasn't great at first, but he fought through that. He knows how to pitch. He knows how to get buy on less than what other guys do and now in the last couple starts we've seen that stuff tick back we're starting to get that swing and miss he's getting his swagger and uh, you think about this rotation with Alex Cobb and Chris Archer at the top of it Jake Odorizzi Drew Smiley Blake Snell Matt Andrees you know we're six deep already uh, and feeling really good about the rotation the rest of this year and heading into the offseason how much is his value more so than how he pitches to the rest of the team in the clubhouse? You know, I think Mark Topkin wrote about it this week, even having an impact on Steven Sousa Jr. and allowing him to relax a little bit at the plate. He's a veteran voice. He connects with pitchers. He connects with position players. Uh, and, you know, he's someone who has gone out there and done it in big situations. Um, He's someone who has the respect of the coaches and the entire clubhouse. And, and we really missed his voice. We missed his leadership. Uh, Chris Archer, Joe Guterizzi, Drew Smiley, they stepped into that void, but it's a really big void. Uh, and having Alex there along with those guys, uh, it's just um, it's more comforting. It's a more comforting group, and I think uh, he's able to impart a lot of wisdom to our younger players that um, there really isn't anyone in the clubhouse that can do, can do that. Again, we're chatting with Matt Silverman on this week in race baseball. And Matt, you know, in terms of Alex Cobb, you mentioned the depth he gives you. You guys have always dealt with a position of strength. You were fortunate this year, maybe not in terms of the starting pitching performance, but the health. So how much depth is enough for starting pitching when you look at how 14 and 15 went? You know, if, our, if they all stay healthy, then you don't need as much depth. And if they don't, you're going to need it. And you, you never can predict where that depth is going to be required. Um, we don't have the luxury of 
having too much depth in one area. That means that we haven't used it to supplement in other areas. But starting pitching is so scarce. Good starting pitching is really hard to come by, and we have a great core. So uh, it gives us a lot of options and flexibility going into the offseason. But uh, without that strong starting pitching staff, we wouldn't have the same optimism that we have heading into next year. And the starting pitching certainly can make it easier on your bullpen, which was an area of concern this year. I mean, going into next year beyond Alex Colome, who is fantastic, and Brad Boxberger, who does have a fairly good history, is that the biggest area of question? And, and how many guys internally do you have that you think they can help fill the void? We have a number of internal candidates, but when we've had success as a club recently, you've had a few names that surprise that come out of the woodwork, and whether it's Benoit or it's, it's Rodney, that can come in and add a different dimension to the bullpen. So you have the two-headed monster of Boxberger and Colome. Feel good about that. We have Cedeno as our, as our lefty in the pen who's battle-tested. Uh, you see what Danny Farquhar has done in the second half, and he's starting to fulfill the promise that, that we saw when we traded for him. Uh, a number of young arms, AAA here at the majors, not just relievers, but also starters that could play a role in the bullpen. So they're all going to get that, that opportunity. But if we can go out and find someone, whether it's free agency or trade, to help bolster that pen, I think we'll feel better. But it's going to take, it's going to take many guys, and it's going to take a few guys stepping up their performance. One guy who could, who you didn't mention, also has come back from Tommy John surgery. How impressed have you been getting to know a little bit about Chase Whitley and the way he's come back? I know most of his appearances have been at the minor league level, then major, but they've all been pretty good. Yep he might win the popularity contest, not only in our major league clubhouse, but throughout the organization. Just a great guy. And everywhere he's been, everyone has marveled about his work ethic, uh, his personality, how outgoing he is, and and how much he gives back to the group that he's with. So really excited about him. Uh, A lot of different roles he can play for us next year. He doesn't have the bulk um, of a starter, and so we're trying to give him as many innings as possible this year so that he can fulfill a big load next year. Um, but he's someone who fits in well. He's a talented pitcher. He's a good teammate, and uh, we're really happy he's in our organization. Yeah, and another guy I'm sure you're happy about is Logan Forsyth. And as you look at success stories this year, I know the month he had to spend out of the lineup after getting hit by a Felix Hernandez pitch aside, him moving to the leadoff spot fairly seamlessly seems to be one of the real nice stories about this group this year. Yeah, and that was a big question mark coming into the season. We didn't know how the lineup was going to shake out. We asked Logan to to do something he hadn't done before. Uh, and he'd had such a great year. You don't want to you don't want to tinker too much, but he said great, he'll try it out and he's really excelled there. And that gives us the confidence and you know Kevin and the coaches the confidence to put him anywhere in the lineup at the top. He could hit leadoff for us. He get two, three, four, five. Well, three. We know we have someone who's going to hit there. But that that type of offensive performance um, can be tailored to any of those spots. And so we feel we feel great about Logan. Um, and then you know defensively, incredibly solid. Uh, when he was gone, it really contributed to some of the the issues that we had defensively. Um, you know, happy that he's a long term Ray and. Uh, He's a big part of our future. Indeed, a couple other guys, one would think, have had, I would say, somewhat uneven seasons this year. Corey Dickerson, his first year in the organization. Steven Souza, his second. How important are they in the big picture, and what are you learning about them right now? You know, if you add Kevin Kiermaier to the list, you know, those three guys in our outfield and with you know, Corey also getting a lot of time at DH, those guys are going to be the key to our season next year. Um, there's so much upside with those guys. Uh, and we've seen 
in the last two weeks, uh, a different level of play from them. Souza, great at bats. He's not just hitting home runs. He's drawing walks. Uh, we're seeing some aggressiveness. Kiermaier's hitting the ball over the wall, but he's also put, hitting the ball the other way. He's using his legs. And Dickerson has been as, as hot as any guy uh, in our organization. Uh, great to see that. And those guys are going to fuel our offense, along with the tried and true guys that we know are there. Uh, we're gonna, Evan's going to be great. Logan's going to be great. Brad Miller's going to be great. Matt Duffy's going to be solid. We can keep going, but those three guys, those three outfielders, uh, are so key to what we do next year. Two years into this job, and again, we're chatting with Matt Silverman on this week in Rays Baseball. How do you feel about where this organization, I know one loss the last couple of years haven't been good, but are you in a better position, do you think, now than you were two years ago? How would you describe it? Our system's in a better spot. Um, it's more talented, and we're starting to push some of our best prospects towards the upper levels, guys who can impact the club next year and the year after. And the talent at the major league level is still very, very high. Uh, we went out and acquired a number of players who were experienced major leaguers but early in their career, and it gives us a long runway with them, uh, and that was by design. We knew the next wave was coming right behind it, and so we're going we're gonna to see the marriage of those two over the next year or two uh, and really excited about those prospects. We have to continue to draft well. Uh, really like the early indications from the draft this year. Internationally, you don't really know for a couple of years, but uh, the needle is pointing in the right direction there. And all those things have to fire for us to be able to succeed, given the, the handicap that we have with our budget. We're not going to be able to spend our way out of things. So we have to do it differently. From a minor league standpoint, you did have four playoff teams. Uh, you did have the seventh best winning percentage. In terms of impact talent, who are the guys who you think can, let's say, in the future, maybe not in 2017, but beyond, be impact players in this organization? No, it's not a fair. That's not a fair question because by saying one person, I'm going to leave off several others. Um, but a, a couple of guys come to mind. Um, uh, Honeywell. Um, is one of our best pitching prospects. Uh, he's gotten a lot of attention, as he should, for what he's done. He's on our plan. We build up our pitchers deliberately. We get them ready for the next level. We make sure that when they come up here, they're ready. So uh, he's someone that everyone's already watching, but keep your eyes on him. Willie Adamas, who we got in the David Price trade a couple years ago, has continued to flourish. Uh, he's been able to, to stick at shortstop and play that position well, and we're seeing the bat come around. A great guy, great teammate, too, just to, to add to the mix. And so uh, another name to, to, really take, to really take note of as we go forward. Um, I could go on for a long time. We have a number of other hitters that I'd like to talk about, but I, I know we have to, we're kind of short on time. Well, we wish you best of luck in preparing time-wise for the 2017 season, and we certainly appreciate some time this week on This Week in Race Baseball. All right. Thanks, Neil. As president of baseball operations, Matt Silverman, we're back right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball. We take a look at things on the minor league side for the Rays and joining us now manager of a team that went to the finals in their playoffs that would be Hudson Valley their skipper is Tim Parenton Tim thanks very much for joining us thanks Neil for having me congrats on a great year I know you would have liked to have won the championship over the Cardinals affiliate state college but all all in all I'm sure it had to be satisfying to have the kind of season you had all in all it was a great year our kids really performed from day one till the last day you know one pitch two-run shot in the second inning got us, and we just couldn't do anything with their pitching for a couple of days. It sounds like your pitching was pretty impressive, too, in the series. I mean, you lost a 2-1 game in the final game, and the other game was 3 nothing. Yeah, our pitchers did a great job. You know, uh, right, uh, Noel Rodriguez and I started off, and both of them did well, and our bullpen came in and kept it there. And 
you know, offensively we hit some balls. We just couldn't get anything to drop for us. But, you know, they did a great job, you know, throughout the year. Pitchers did. When you look at that season, who are the kids who, in your mind, over the course of uh, that that New York Penn League schedule through the playoffs improved the most? You know, I, I, Garrett Whitley improved from start to finish. Jake Fraley improved from start to finish. Uh, Nate Lowe really was good all year for us at first base, came in, you know, after he got eliminated from the college uh, playoffs, got there. You know, and he did a great job for us. Pitching-wise, Every one of our pitchers, uh, Ott, Rodriguez, uh, Novice, out of the bullpen, Busfield, every one of them from start to finish, they took the ball every fifth or sixth day when we were on a six-day rotation, and our relievers stepped up every time they had to. And You know, our, our team improved. We started off pretty rough. We were 6-11 and 11 at one point, and then they just started playing well, and, and it continued to the end. And ended up 20 games over 500 or thereabouts in the regular season. Again, we're chatting with Tim Parenton. He's the manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades, who this year ended up in the finals, one of four Rays affiliates to play in the postseason. How do you look, Tim, at, at uh, you know, you played about 80 games, give or take, with the postseason. Uh, for some of those kids, I would guess it's a matter of survival because they're going straight from college to professional and it's it's probably even a longer year for them than some of the kids who are down in instructs or rather in uh in extended well that's the one thing that, that a lot of people don't understand the college the college game really starts in october most guys have a fall workout where they play in between eight to 15 games against it's inter-squat games but they start up january 1st and they go the entire time and, and the guys we get in the draft that most of them are in the NCAA playoffs, so they're, they're ending up playing 65, 70 games there. And when they get with us, it, it's, a, it's a shock sort of because it's an everyday thing. It's not mm-hmm. five times a week like it is in college. So you, you have to really watch their body language, watch what they're doing, you know, and just we, we give them a couple days off here and there, you know, to make sure they stay ready through the whole season. And you can tell by the last month, you can see that, that their bodies are starting to give up a little bit. And you just got to be careful and not overdo it with them. Is it hard from that standpoint to kind of really truly evaluate a kid? Because, you know, now if they're a college kid, they're really after instructionally going to get through their first off season and really get to prepare for hopefully full season ball next year for the first time. You know, the evaluation part has started a long time ago with our scouts. And when they get to us, we're just trying to watch them and see what they can really do with the wooden bat playing every day. Um, no, you can really get a good evaluation. I think a lot of the times, you know, we're playing against the same guys on other teams that have been in the same situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, you really watch to see who's going to give in a little bit or who's going to keep pushing. And this year our guys just kept on going, and they were really good. You've been managing for uh, for Hudson Valley for a few years now. How does the talent level of this year's group, I know the results were great, maybe compared to, let's say, the past couple seasons, have you seen continued improvement or steadiness? Because we've we've obviously seen success with Bowling Green the last two years, and uh, the group in Montgomery had uh, some success this year too. You know, I think each year it's pretty much the same. Our, our scouts do a great job. It's all about guys coming together and, and finishing the year off and, and these guys came together well after about two or three weeks you know once they got there and they just played hard but as far as the talent level I think it's been steady for us up there for three years I've been there for three years now and you know the first year we had a good group who, who were some of the guys that were in Port Charlotte and then last year we had the guys who were you know in Bowling Green a mix between us and the Princeton guys but you know it's been steady and, and it's hard working and it's a 
a big compliment to our scouting staff. And I know there's really no rest for the weary, so to speak. You go down to Instructional League, uh, which runs through, what, the first week of October or thereabouts. Give us, our fans, an idea as to what Instructional League is and how it can help young players who are finishing their first or second year at the professional level. Well, what it is, really, it's for the guys. Uh, our, our other staff members get to see some of the younger guys down there and work on specific things. For instance, specific pitching drills we need, we think guys need to work on. We introduce it to them down there. You know, throwing, hitting, different things for each person as they're down there. It's really an individual thing. They do play some ball games in the afternoon once the first week gets done, but it's more about letting them know what we need. We think they need to work on when they show back up next year and be ready to go. So it's kind of a jumping-off point, I guess, for 2017 for a lot of these kids. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Because, you know, when we get a lot of the college guys, we just let them go out and play. We don't really talk to them a lot because they, they were drafted for a reason, and we want them to show us their their skills. And then once we get them down there, you know, it's sort of introducing some of these guys to the Rays' way because they've never been through a spring training. So when they show up at spring training, you know, they're ready to go. And, and you mentioned they do play games, but, I mean, yes, you know, they, they – for I'm sure for every player, every bat means something, but the stats truly don't count. They don't show up on anything. Well, for instance, some of the ball games, we'll have guys go up there and they have to bunt, or some guys have to steal every time they get to first base. We're working on the things that we think they need to work on to get better and move in the professional system. So the games do mean something. Pitchers are throwing certain pitches. They're, they're down there to work on a certain pitch, and that's what they're going to throw a majority of the time during the game. So... They do mean something, like you said, and it's all about work. And obviously it puts them in a competitive environment, but more of a controlled environment so they can continue to grow. Tim, we appreciate a few minutes on uh, This Week in Rays Baseball. Uh, good luck in the Instructional League. Congrats on a great season, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Neil. Y'all have a great one, okay? That is Tim Parenton, manager of the Hudson Valley Renegades. Before we continue, let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. To the wall! Gone! 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball. Now again, Hudson Valley, one of four Rays affiliates that went to the playoffs, the only one to go to the finals. A Montgomery was the highest among Rays affiliates to qualify for the playoffs. The Biscuits were knocked out in the opening round. Their manager now joins us, Brady Williams. And Brady, I'm sure it would have been nice to win a title, but you also have to be pleased with the year overall. No, I appreciate it. No, you're right. And uh, definitely didn't end the way we wanted to, but uh, it was a good season and a lot of growth and development in our young players, which was uh, a good thing to to, uh, to see. Who are the kids who, in your mind, that you had for the full year, who are the kids who grew the most and where did they grow? Um, you know, you had Gillespie who uh, made the jump from pretty much low A to double A and then ended up in triple A. So, I mean, you saw him develop um, and, and really finish strong in triple A. Jake Bowers, who had uh, repeated from last year, came up last year and saw him make the end of the end of the season all-star team for the Southern League. Um, Willie Adamas, uh, from start to finish, you know, being a young kid and coming here and pretty much uh, staying, staying consistent all season long. And to see that from a 20-year-old, uh, is a good sign of things to come. His power numbers obviously are better than they have been in the past. Um, and he played a pretty, pretty solid short. You know, the first, the one thing that stands out defensively is pretty much the first time he'd ever uh, dealt with the, the heavy shifts or shifting on defense. And so 
it took him a, uh, a little bit to get used to that, but by the end of the year, he was pretty uh, pretty routine making those plays. Um, Kean Wong, our second baseman, uh, another young kid, 21 year old. Um, I thought he really grew a lot offensively. You know, he 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 had a certain way of hitting that he hit out his whole life, and then he had to make adjustments. And he did that by the end of the year, and he really started having a lot of quality of bats. He was our leadoff hitter, and really had a nice season. You mentioned Willie Adam. Is he and Chiwei who were both named Double A All Stars? I'm sure you probably were proud of that and felt they were both deserving. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those guys are well deserving of their accolades. Um, whether it's baseball America, whether it's um, all the all the all the hype that you hear about these guys, they are what what you what they say they are. And when you watch them play uh, every day, you're very fortunate to to, to see that. Chiwei, who is a a pitcher that just commands a lot of pitches. He commands his fastball, changeup. Um, he's worked on a slider, but he also has a palm ball slash screwball uh, that he commands well. Um, he just needs that put away pitch, I think, to take him to the next level. Uh, and Willie Adamas is just Mr. Consistency, and he's been like that the whole year. We're chatting with Brady Williams, again, manager for the AA Montgomery Biscuits. And, Brady, a lot of the kids that you manage this season are going to represent the Rays next month in the Arizona Fall League. Let's start with Kean Wong. You said he made big jumps in terms of the way he hits. How did he have to adapt? What did he change? And what do you think he'll take out of the Fall League? You know, you know, the one thing that he's always done is hit, and that's and that's great and all, but there's also a certain way to hit. I mean, if you're, if you're a guy that goes up there and drives the ball out of the ballpark and um, – a lot of runs in. You can be a free swinger. You can swing and miss. You can make you know quick outs. But if you're not, then you got to kind of have uh, a good approach. You got to see some pitches. You got to get on base. You got to work some counts. And that's kind of what he did as his season went on. And for him to keep developing, I think I think the power is going to come um, because he does have a lot of bat speed. I think strength is in his in his in his whole game is going to get better. Um, but just having that a, a solid approach as a hitter. Um, to stay with, um, I think if he keeps doing that, I think there's a lot of uh, things that are going to come to him uh, well in the future. What do you think he's going to learn from the Fall League? Not quite sure. You know, the Fall League is, uh, obviously, the talent level is going to be higher. Um, it's a good test for him. You know, he he had dealt with some, it wasn't an injury, just some nagging stuff along the way, and so hopefully a little break can help him uh, get kind of back to 100% so he can go out there and compete and, and have a, a solid fall season. Another guy who's going to be tested is Justin Williams. He started the season in high A, finished with you, and appeared to finish fairly well. What impressed you about Justin, and, and what is the fall league? What challenges do you think the fall league will pose for him? You know, the one thing with him, I think the more he plays, obviously the more reps he gets, uh, the better off he's going to be. And instruction that he takes uh, with him. You know, last year he went to um, – went to uh, Australia? Yeah. Australia and um, really had a nice season, and I think that kind of catapulted him into this, this season. He didn't start off necessarily where he wanted to, but he finished in Double A, um, and he can kind of take that into his fall season. He just needs more reps. You know, he's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, obviously the, the bat is probably the big tool, and the power's going to come. It's just he needs to keep playing. The other position player who's going really didn't spend much time with you this year, but you certainly know him well, and that's Justin O'Connor. How important is the fall league for him just to get the reps? Yeah, you're right. And um, he came up, and he still wasn't quite back to what I saw from him last year, you know, as far as his um, quick twitch on both sides of the plate. 
uh, or both sides of the ball as far as defensively and offensively. You know, the defensive stuff was still there, um, but it's the running and it's the trusting that his back is okay, that he can kind of still go full bore. And I think he just needs to go out there and trust it and hopefully he can go and have a, a healthy fall and have a great uh, uh, start to his next season uh, coming into 2017. And the two pitchers of the four that are going to the fall league that you had, one is a starter, one's a reliever. Let's begin with Brent Honeywell. Had he not missed a few weeks with uh, – an injury, he probably would have gotten a lot of honors, I would think, postseason. Yeah, I, I probably would think so. He probably would have probably came up a lot earlier um, and, and had a, a solid uh, chance to make a the postseason uh, all-star, all-star team, but he didn't. But he, he still came up and showed exactly all the hype that you've heard about him. Um, he is what they say he is, and he's, he's fun to watch. He's Like I said, he's a, he's a very talented young man, but he's also a student of the game. Uh, I, I expect him to go to the fall league and keep doing what he's been doing, and that's going out there and uh, competing well and giving whatever team he's on a chance to win. He was one of two kids, Brent Honeywell was, that went from high A to double A, joining you during the season and is now going to the fall league. The other is a reliever. Kyle Bird probably isn't listing a lot of prospect lists, but I know he was very impressive during the course of this season. What Im- were you impressed by? Well, he's a left-hander. Um, he his velocity spiked a little bit from last year, so he went from you know 89 to 91 to now he's more 91, 93. Uh, obviously, the 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 rise in velocity is going to help him uh, in all of his pitches. Uh, his, his curveball is sharper. His changeup obviously plays better off of his uh, fastball. Uh, he just needs to really focus in on. on not necessarily getting left-handers out, but really having that put-away pitch to a left-hander um, and attacking them with his fastball because he just didn't really quite pitch. And I know he'll tell you the same thing. He didn't quite get left-handers out like he can. He, he actually uh, got right-handers out better because of his change-up. Um, but he just needs to kind of focus on that uh, that put-away pitch to a left-hander because he does have very good stuff for for, for left-handed pitcher. Um, very enthusiastic about the game, so I expect him to go out there and, and have a nice uh, fall season. Brady, enjoy your fall and your winter. Appreciate a few minutes on this week in Rays baseball, and uh, hopefully you can enjoy the downtime. Yeah, I appreciate it, Neil, and uh, good talking with you. And that's Brady Williams of the Montgomery Biscuits, one of the four Rays affiliates that made the postseason. Now back here at Tropicana Field, the final homestand of 2016 begins Tuesday. That six-day stretch includes a tremendous community event called Shirts Off Our Backs, and I asked David Eggles, manager of community engagement for the Rays, to explain exactly how Shirts Off Our Backs works. Shirts Off Our Backs is one of our annual fundraisers that benefits the Rays Baseball Foundation. The foundation is the official charity of the Tampa Bay Rays. So throughout the six-day homestand, throughout the fundraiser, there's going to be about 200 volunteers on hand offering scratch-off cards in return for donations. And those scratch-off cards offer prizes such as discounts on concessions at the team store, free giveaway items, tickets next year, and the grand prize being a jersey right off a player's back. And so that's every player that's going to be dressed for the final game, so there's that many of those jerseys. That's correct. And not only that, but every card wins something. And like I said, the proceeds benefit the foundation, which in turn uses the money in the Tampa Bay region to further the mission of youth education community partners. So when you win, kids win. Which is the best part of this. So everybody wins through this program. The tickets are, you said, $3? Yes, so in exchange for a $3 donation, um, you will get one scratch-off card. And then actually, if you want to make a donation larger than that, such as a $5 donation, you'll get two scratch-off cards in exchange, 
$10 donation, you get four scratch off cards in exchange, and so on and so forth. So give us an idea where our fans can go to get more information about shirts off our backs. Sure. For more information, fans can go to raisebaseball.com slash shirts, and that'll give them all the information on the fundraiser. But if fans are unable to attend the game and they still want to make a contribution to the foundation, they can go to raisebaseball.com slash community and just make a donation to the foundation. Speaking of which, I know one of the neat parts about Shirts Off Our Backs is that community partners are actually involved as volunteers on these days. Correct. So all of the volunteers who are going to be offering scratch-off cards have been recipients of foundation money or in-kind donations in some way. So it's it's really a great thing to see. You'll see some big brothers and big sisters. You'll see some of their littles. You'll see some of our community fund grant partners out there. You'll see people from the YMCA, all great organizations. And like I said, all doing a great job for us. And we couldn't do this fundraiser without them. So really, this is kind of a hands-on way for community partners to be able to reach out and thank our fans too. Absolutely. Not only that, but it also becomes sort of a, a friendly competition and a bond between the fans, the Ray staff, and our community partners, because we also will offer incentives to our community partners, the volunteers who are helping us fundraise, by offering them prizes. So if you're at the game and you see one of your favorite nonprofits here, it might be worth buying a few extra scratch-off cards, because in turn, they might then win a prize, which they can give to kids at their organization. And that is David Eggles, Race Manager of Community Engagement. Again, we hope you'll take part in Shirts Off Our Backs during the final homestand. Learn more, racebaseball.com slash shirts. More coming up right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Neil Solon's with you back on This Week in Race Baseball. One of the good stories this week was Chase Whitley returning to Major League Action from Tommy John surgery against the team that drafted him, the Yankees. And I asked Whitley what returning to the majors meant to him. I'm just very thankful. You know, the Lord blessed me to be back and just uh, along this way. I mean, it's been a, such a, a tester of my faith and, uh, you know, to be here, I mean, it's just, a, it's just a blessing. What was the hardest part during the rehab process for you? What was the greatest challenge? The hardest part was stepping away from the game that I've been playing for, you know, 20 years, however long I've been playing, and to be on the sidelines. And that's, that's you know, so used to being a part of the team and, to be a, not a part of a team and then to come here and have to meet people and, and really not be a part of a team. It was very, very odd. So um, to, to be back and, and, I mean, I love I love people, like I said before, and, you know, just to be around and get relationships with guys. The majority of your rehab was in Montgomery where it's near home. So did that help? That was awesome. You know, I mean, my, I got some people got to come see me pitch that haven't seen me pitch in a while. And, uh, and I got to, you know, I was got to – migrate home a little bit every once in a while so i mean just to be around my my folks some and and my my friends it was it was it was a blessing the results were good how did you feel about how did you feel overall um good uh there was some you know just some everyday soreness that i think everyone goes through i mean obviously you know it's part of it but it's just getting myself back to being a pitcher and not a, a rehab person you know you you completely forget what it's like so you know, I was very, very thankful how the results matched the process. And, you know, I don't – I try not to look as much into the results as what they are because, uh, you know, I'm so devoted to the process of getting there. But the results themselves were good. Were you throwing the ball, you think, about as well as you were before all this happened? I think so. I mean, the thing is, I don't know – I can't tell you the really last time I pitched without pain. And uh, to be able to go out there and, and perform without any pain was – you know, that's – hopefully that's a test to – 
you know, I'm thankful to, to Ron and the, and the staff here and thankful to the people that have worked with me. But it's just nice to be able to pitch without pain. And you were pitching for a double-A ball club that just that made the playoffs this week, too. Was it kind of weird? You're, you're <laughs> trying to get your, worry about yourself, get yourself healthy. But at the same time, those guys are really competing for something that means a lot to them. Well, I bet they're thankful that they clinched the night before I pitched my last one. <laughs> so, you know, I, I tell you what, man, there's some players down there that's going to be some be impact players here. Um, I, it was fun to be around, get some relationships with those guys. And, uh, you know, there's the future's bright for, for a number of the guys down there. Well, most people have heard about Willie Adamas and Jake Bowers since you got to be around them. And you got to give a player's perspective what made both those kids pretty impressive. Uh, Jake has an approach, but Jake and Willie both have approaches at the plate that, that are well beyond their years, and they carry themselves well. Another couple of guys, I mean, I, I really liked how Justin Williams plays in the outfield. He can swing the bat. I mean, I really like, you know, those the pitching staff. I mean, everyone's heard about Honeywell. I mean, but he's he, – <laughs> everything aside, he's a, he's, a, he's a guy that wants to learn, and uh, I think the future's bright for him and who and those guys. I mean, it's – Future's bright for those guys. You find the kids were receptive too. I mean, obviously you're there to rehab, but you're also the guys are probably going to pick your brain too. Yeah, they they their baseball knowledge is is pretty pretty advanced, and the fact that they were willing to ask somebody that's that's failed at the big league level and had some success at the big league level is is exactly what I think you know any that's what I would want in Double A to to find out what works, find out what doesn't. What do you hope to gain out of September? be healthy you know just be healthy and uh and just go out and compete i mean i, I haven't had been able to compete at this level in a, in a long time so very excited that is chase whitley who should expect to pitch for the rays again today now sub-september call-ups like whitley are coming back from surgery others like kurt casale are just trying to bounce back from a challenging year it, it means a lot to be back um anytime you get to put on a big league uniform it's definitely um a special time and a, and a special privilege and not that I've ever taken that for granted but it, it means even more after um you know spending some time in AAA to try and hash some hash some things out but you know obviously the the goal is to still try and help the team win but at the same time um you know I, I think everybody can you know figure out where we stand in, in terms of uh, of the playoff ranks so you know people might be playing for jobs next year and just trying to put on as uh, a good a show as I can and, and be as you know good a teammate as I can. How did the last month that you spent, or the month that you spent in Durham, help you? It helped a lot. I, th- I think if anything, it was just a um, a step back and just just a chance for me to relax and and try to get back to the player that I I believe I can be. Um, I think I you know showed spurts of it this year you know, in terms of being able to contribute at a big league level. But, you know, there was there was just too much complication with, with my offensive game and, and my swing was just all over the place. So I really, you know, took the time that I had down in Durham to really work on that with, with a couple other, you know, fresh faces. And, you know, Ozzie Timmons was huge and, uh, and Chad Matola was, was, was instrumental in getting me back to a, a comfort level that I, that I need to be in. And, you know, the plan is to just transfer it back over to the big league level. The results certainly were good. I mean, you had more walks and strikeouts. You had an on-base percentage of above 400 during the one month. So what was what were the biggest differences and changes? Um, well, just exactly that. I, I, that's always been my game is, is uh, you know, walking a lot. And even though I'm not a, 
you know, a, you know, per se great base runner in terms of my speed, but I feel like if I can get on base, then I'm better than if I wasn't on base. So um, I, I like seeing a lot of pitches, and if I run into an occasional home run, then then great. If not, you know, I'm just trying to put the ball in play um, anywhere hard, and you know the you know I had a, a few RBIs and you know things like that, and you know guys gave me a chance to to drive them in, and um, it, it seemed to be working, and I'm just I'm looking forward to to seeing how it does up here. Were there changes that you made though? I mean, either mechanical or physical, or were they more mental? Um, it... Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, I definitely had a a home run approach up here for the majority of the past year and a half and at times it really worked and at times it really didn't so I just tried to you know really hash out those and, and try to find a common ground of being able to be more consistent with the bat and I, I, I truly believe that I can be consistent because I have before in the past and um, just just a little a few mechanical differences standing a little taller more relaxed gripping the bat lighter and and uh you know taking a more middle to to right center approach seemed to hash out a few things i had going on it's hard to you know i guess easier said than done to try and kind of stay within yourself and get back to being who you are when you get to the big leagues and are trying to find out who you are it's it's a tough place to to work on stuff it it really is because as soon as you show any signs of weaknesses then the other team's going to exploit you until you can figure it out and unfortunately I just I just never was able to to get to a point where um I was working on things during a big league game and and that's not fair to that's not fair to my teammates it's not fair to the organization or the fans for me to you know try and work things out in the middle of a game because you know we expect to win and I expect to contribute at a level so thankful for the opportunity to, to actually go down there and and uh you know get a chance to work on some stuff and and uh and work on it in game situations which which definitely has helped me and you know like i said i'm obviously excited to be back i I feel like i i belong here and um looking forward to seeing what i can do to help the team and that is kurt casali who starts today as does mikey matuk who hopes to finish september strong kind of use it as really any other game you want to you know come in here and and you know, leave a good impression with the, with the staff and with the organization. And, um, you know, you want to use the, the, you know, everything that you did leading up to September and all the preparation and all the, you know, you know training and, and working on things throughout the course of the year. You want it to come full circle in September. And, um, you know, like I said, you want to go out with a, with a bang and, and leave a great impression. Especially important considering the amount of time that you unfortunately had to miss because that freak injury, the, the hit by pitch. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've today. This year's been a kind of a weird year. I've been hurt a couple times, and you know, in my career leading up to now, I had I'd never been hurt before. So, um, you know, getting in bats in September and playing well is is you know crucial for anyone. And obviously, since I don't have as many at bats as I would have liked, I would like I would you know really you know having a good September would would really make my off season a lot a lot more uh, enjoyable. For you, is there anything? I mean. The, the second injury, you really couldn't do anything about. So there's not like you can train differently to avoid getting hit by a pitch. Yeah, you know, there's. I mean, injuries just kind of happen as, as the part as part of the game, and um, you know, all all season, you, you know, you work out, you stay healthy, you stretch, you do a bunch of things to you know prevent that from happening. Happening, but this, at, at the end of the day, it's you know a lot of those things are out of your control. So um, you come every day, you prepare, you try to you know 
be as in, you know good a shape as you possibly can and and you go from there and you know you get hurt you kind of um you know you take it as it comes and and you you know overcome it having missed the number of at bats you did is there any thought to for you wanting to play any winter ball or something to try and make some of that up or what's your kind of take going into the off season um you know what i'm my my main focus is to is to get healthy completely healthy i mean i'm feel great now but you know stay healthy get my legs back underneath me um you know regardless of having at bats or not having at bats um anytime you're hurt you know that's that's a mental battle and physical battle in itself you know the recovery and, and all that so um, you know, my main focus right now is having a good September and then going into the off season and, and working hard to, to get my body back in shape and, and come back next year and, and uh, you know, have a great season. And sometimes when you go through tough periods, you learn a lot about yourself. What did you learn from this year that you think will help you? Uh, a lot of patience. You know, um, I'm not, not, not a very patient person, you know, normally, but, you know, when you ever, whenever you break a hand or you heard an oblique, there's not much you can do. Uh, you just kind of have to wait it out until your body says you're ready to, to start training again. So um, I think the biggest thing for me was, was patience. Yeah, and that is Mikey Motzuk. We wish the best to him going forward. And the same for Steve Galt. So I asked, what's the biggest difference for him between last year and this one? Uh, just really a lot of confidence. You know, um, that was a big part of my success last year. And that was a big part of why I, you know, I did so well. And and um, I kind of got, got got away from that a little bit, my away from my kind of mentality as a pitcher and I'm just kind of trying to regain that it's what I did down in AAA and just looking to carry that over at this level and compete and show that I I can perform here it sounds like mental adjustments are first but were there any physical ones that you made while in Durham um honestly I I couldn't really say if there was physical adjustments it was just letting that aggressiveness and that mentality kind of take over and you know reiterate who you are and what your ability is on the mound and, and being able to constantly pursue that and 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 being able to basically embrace it you know and and take that into game speed that's kind of been the big the big adjustment and the big I wouldn't even say adjustment because it's just more of finding it again you know kind of regaining that sort of focus and that sort of ambition and energy and that's what I was trying to do and that's what I try and that's what I'm going to try to do this next month and you know just help the team win just trying to you know trying to win I mean let's let's salvage what we can and, and get some good games in here and you know start them up next year what did uh, was there anything that you and Kyle were able to find at all that you think will help you too yeah I mean there was there was some stuff that uh, you know, especially with my off speed it was just you know you know knowing when to when to use it in good counts and and, and, and what and how to kind of set up each pitch that I threw the you know the, the pitch before that there's there's a reason and there's a purpose for everything and to um you know, to really embrace that and, and to learn from it and to to um, kind of just take it one at a time and, 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 and learn from the next pitch. It's, hey, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do here? And, and that's really, Snyder's helped me a lot with with learning the, the, you know, just the baseball game, the cat and mouse thing. It kind of just, you get, you get away from it. We're human, you know. Things come in our mind. There's stresses. There's daily things. And and sometimes you just you know you don't have any momentum to get to get forward with that, and it's kind of what hurt me as I you know I, I started behind the ball and then you know it just started to domino and you know going down the triple A working with Snyder's kind of clearing my head a little bit was able to you know to bring me that confidence back and that that mentality of hey let's here it is hit it you know and and hitting's hard and you know you can't give them too much credit but 
you know, they're, they're really good hitters. And sometimes when you make that good pitch, it gets hit. And sometimes when you don't, they swing through it. And that's just the game of baseball. So it's a game I love. It's a game I, you know, a game I sometimes don't love so much at times. And this, the, you know, this whole month, I'm just looking to, to, to really just establish myself again as, as, as a guy who's going to help this team win and compete out of the bullpen. And sometimes you go through bad periods to learn a lot about yourself. Is there anything in particular you've learned about yourself during this stretch that will help you going forward too? Yeah, how to uh, honestly, it's it's adversity. How to handle this? You know, this is a high, the biggest stage in the world. You know, for for my profession is handling you know the pressures and stresses of not succeeding in in, in Major League Baseball. And and you know, last year you you kind of you kind of weigh that with last year's success, and 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 you go from. Uh, from what I did last year into you know trying to maybe top that this year and you start immediately behind the eight ball and and you know learning to to handle that and to and to just kind of just juggle them and balance them out at the same time that's been the big key for me is is, is learning how to really adjust to that and that is Steve Galson. we thank him and all our guests on today's show as well as our producer today Trey Downey next week here from Evan Longoria stay tuned the pregame show is coming up as we get set for the Rays and O's on the Rays baseball network